0: hey everybody welcome to the true crime squad as you can see we are Preparing to stream live a uh, a hearing, uh, the State versus Vallow motions hearing this morning. So uh, we do think Lori is going to be in court this morning, and we know that Chad is not because he vacated this hearing. Uh, this yeah. this Lori's shot at saying why they don't want cameras in the
1: courtroom, and right now what they have is cameras in the
0: courtroom. So. <laughs>
1: Seems a little uh, off kilter, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting that they're
0: (laughs) streaming this live, knowing that they're asking to not be streaming anything live, so.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Well, I hope that Judge Boyce, I hope Judge Boyce sees that. you know, the value of, and also the, the, uh, call from the public to allow these proceedings to continue to be streamed. Yeah. Uh, if they don't, we will have to start going to St. Anthony for these hearings so that we can come back and report. And we will, you know, we're one of the few, you know, covering this case that have the luxury of just, making a short drive up there to do it
0: right so
1: we will do that if we have to but i hope we don't i yeah. like this setting a whole lot better but
0: i do too and i i think
1: it's such a disservice
0: to our community if they won't mm-hmm. allow it to be streamed people have the right to know this is a huge case there's a massive public interest
1: we have that right yeah yeah for sure
0: and there's huge um pressure from the media
2: mm-hmm. uh
0: local and national to keep this all open and in the public
1: mm-hmm. so i kind of suspect that what judge boyce will do is just be a little more discerning about camera placement and that's all mm-hmm. you know from uh the prosecution they're like well we think it's okay if there's just a camera in the back of the room But with no, with no, uh, with no sound. Well, no, that doesn't service the public at all. There's no
0: point in that at all. No. But yeah, they can certainly stipulate where they're going to put cameras and, you know, how that's going to go.
1: If they don't want a camera stream directly on Lori's face, I get that. I really do. I I do too. I I wasn't a fan of it either. Mm -mm. But, uh. That doesn't mean that the public should just be completely aced out of these proceedings at all. Right. Especially because
0: um, that was Court TV. That wasn't even a local news outlet
2: mm-hmm. that did
0: that. And I, that's crap, you know, mm-hmm. that it should be a local news outlet that streams it in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. But even Court TV had permission from the judge. He approved their camera placements. Right. It's That's not true. like they actually broke the the rules um yeah, yeah. but I I mean I agree and in court tv I think is pretty uh you know they're they're pretty inflammatory they're definitely looking to inflame yeah so you know kind of boo on them but you know we we do need them we 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 need the press to be able to be available so yeah we do we
0: do we do
1: it is I'm interesting impressed. oh go ahead oh i'm
0: just impressed that their stream is already live Usually.
1: yeah this is judge Boyce.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: i had two youtube notifications <sighs> yesterday that they were doing test uh stream yes
0: i saw that too
1: it's true linda the judge seals everything in this case so who knows right. and That's a part of the problem and and I guess that's part of what uh, feels problematic to me is that already I feel like the privacy laws uh, versus the uh, public, you know, public's right to know laws or rules here have been bent and pushed already with all of the ceilings and then to uh, try to shut the press out, you know, more fully that that to me is just a really big problem.
0: Yeah. yeah. Me as well.
1: Hey, Janet.
0: So we will see. It's nice to have you all in the chat.
1: So, Cat wants to know if we're covering Letitia Stosh. Stosh, Stonch, stosh was hearing later today. I have to tell you guys, we have really dropped the ball on Letitia. We have not really covered that case at all. And I know it's a big one and really has deserved our energy and attention. And we just have not made it. So mm-hmm. we're not... At some point, we need to get our stuff together on that case, but we just have, I guess, just had our focus elsewhere. It's not like we haven't been working our tails off, but I don't know why I can't get my head around that one. I Yeah, I don't either, but we'll so we'll take a look. Answer, at that. Maybe
0: we'll cover that next week and
1: yeah, catch up. Yeah, get a little more into it. Yeah, so answer no, but we should.
0: Yeah, Yeah. we'll see. We, we can catch up on it next week. Yeah, Paula, Paula, if they don't stream it, they will need to move the trial to Bronco Stadium in Boise to have enough room for everyone who wants to attend. Right. See, you know, open to the public, but limited space.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And what I'm hearing is that the courtroom where it's scheduled to be, the trial is scheduled to be, is small. And so, you know the public doesn't have the access that they deserve to begin with Mm -hmm. in this situation. I mean, they certainly haven't in these hearings in Fremont County. Mm -hmm. You guys would die to see, you know, I know you've seen video of that courthouse, but it is tiny. Yeah. Tiny little courthouse.
1: Yeah.
0: That's why streaming makes so much sense, because then, you know, the public has the right to see what's happening
1: here yeah yeah well and i mean it does depend on the state i mean federally we know that there's no cameras allowed in the courtroom right and with each state it depends a little bit there are some states that do not allow cameras but most states do and so i guess it comes down to what idaho's laws are you know
0: specifically Idaho has been allowing cameras throughout this entire disaster. Mm -hmm. And so to start shutting it down as we get closer to Mm -hmm. um, the trial, I think
1: is
2: really not
0: okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, she said Chris Lambert has been covering every detail of the Kristen smart trial. Well, and it's, you know, one thing I've seen others do in closed courtrooms that attend is to live tweet it. Mm-hmm. And we could do that, you know. If we have mm-hmm. to do that, we can do that. But I agree. I, I hope we don't have to. I would much rather meet in this setting mm-hmm. for lots of reasons. But uh but yeah, if we have to, we will, because uh we can versus most of you guys that probably right. can't right. attend. even the 9 a.m is behind (laughs) schedule yeah
0: it always is i mean these kids never start on time
1: crystal rose said that she watched the netflix show last night such a sad case with those poor children yeah i i haven't watched it yet i think i will uh you know mostly like christy said just for you know, to, to see what's accurate and what isn't. What, yeah, I what want is. us to be able to
0: fact check it for sure.
1: Such a nightmare. It's true, Jessica. Live tweet would not be the same. Yeah.
0: No, it's not the same as really actually witnessing what's happening and hearing people speak.
1: What wonder if they realize that they're streaming with sound right now. I don't know. Yes. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, Janet said, I haven't watched it yet. I feel so tainted by Colby. I know. I know. Feeling so grossed out by the whole crew right now. I know.
0: Yeah.
1: <sighs> Amanda said she'll go ahead and. Let us take the... uh <laughs> We'll take, <laughs> take one, one for, for the, the team. team on that.
0: <laughs> we did it with the Lifetime movie, too.
4: It's true. <laughs> the
0: thing is, I mean, even if the court just did this, they, you know, do what they're doing right now and let people just pick that stream up off YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's access, you know. Everybody okay. could just stream it from their YouTube channel.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. We'll see though what the sound is like once. Uh... But see, I think that it's KPV. Oh well, no, I guess not. This is Judge Boyce's stream. So this. Yeah, is this the is Judge Boyce. KPVI had. Uh, filed with the court yesterday to be in the courtroom. And there had not been a response, but I'll go see if there's been a response today.
0: Well, and Paula, they make you turn the sound off on phones and tablets. You can have them in the courtroom, but you have to turn the sound off and you can't film. So that's why people are getting away with live tweeting. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Oh, people are filing in. We may be about to get started here. All righty. Now they've muted their sound. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) This part's the most annoying part, I think. Mm -hmm. The waiting at the beginning. Like, come on, just Mm
3: -hmm.
0: get it together. see only just a tiny little corner let me see well it's not really any better on my youtube uh tab it's not much Mm. bigger it's like people are just getting seated basically
1: yeah
3: Uh,
0: the show re- tried to reflect it all onto Chad. She changed after meeting Chad, but that's not true. Yeah, that's not true at all. Uh-uh. She thought about killing her kids before Chad. Yeah, she talked about driving off a cliff. Right. Not to mention the fact that, um, you know, it's pretty likely that she and her brother killed her ex husband. She definitely <laughs> was real screwed up before uh-huh. she met him.
1: So KPVI was approved. Were they? hmm Good.
0: Yeah, Chad was just lighter fluid for her. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, they definitely did both suck beforehand, Amanda. There's no doubt of that. Yeah. The thing I... One, the other thing to me that is the most aggravating is that we go through... All of this for a trial that may not even happen,
1: yeah yep. pretty crazy. yeah it is I wish we knew why Chad and Pryor pulled out today.
0: I know me too, yeah. Trying to see, oh, they're walking Lori in right now.
1: Yep, there she is.
0: Is this how they're going to do it? With this tiny little video in the
1: corner? I don't know. And they're still muted. Yeah.
0: Oh, there we go. Okay. I was getting worried. Okay.
1: And now who are they zooming in?
0: I don't know. Or if this is just the where they want the camera focused <laughs> on the great seal of the state of Idaho. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Once they start in earnest, we'll get off the screen and out of the way. Yeah, well, I'll just watch and chat.
4: All rise, the is now set. Thank you, please be
2: seated. All righty, we'll get out of the way. All right, we'll go on the record of
4: KCR 22211624 State versus Lori and Valve Daybell is here, represented by attorneys John Thomas and Jim Archibald. State is represented by prosecutors Rob Wood, EZ Blake, and Rachel Smith at the council table. The court understands that on motions today, those will be argued by Mr. Wood and Mr. Archibald. The court would remind the parties in attendance here that the court's order regarding I corporate of conduct I means, in fact, including the prohibition, um, uh, authorized video and photography by any members of the gallery. So, you know, has a cell phone that Please try to, uh, to record or video in these proceedings today. There are several motions or matters to bring up before the court. I'll well, on the record we previously went in chambers briefly to discuss a few of the preliminary issues uh the court wishes to put those on the record the uh, first matter we're bringing up it wasn't formally noticed uh for hearing today but in the interest of efficiency i think it's worth calling it on the record so mr archibald there was a motion filed entitled motion for defendant to appear in street clothing the state did file Enormous, uh, in response to that, if you'd like to just present that on the record this time, you may yes, may I remain seated? You may and this recalls for the for you and also other council here in order to best get our record uh, with these microphones. It is best actually actually council be seated to speak in the
2: microphone. So thank you, Mr. Archibald. Thank you. Our motion for um Mr. Daybell to appear in street clothing is something that the court has granted previously. We appreciate the courtesy of the
4: court and the sheriff in allowing that at previous hearings. We didn't actually have a written order, and so it was agreed upon the print council that you know, we get this in writing and also submit a proposed order. We do appreciate the the court being sensitive to uh, a client's right to a fair trial, a fair impartial jury. Having her appear in street clothing helps with that. So but as of that motion. All right, thank you. Mr. Archibald, What's the stage response on that? Thank you, Your Honor. Um, as the court is aware, we did file a response uh, that was essentially non-objection uh, based on the circumstances of this case. The thank you, for, uh, the courts considered that motion. Um, typically, that's obviously right It's allowed from jurors in a jury trial uh, to prevent the appearance of
2: uh, anything that would run foul of the presumption of innocence in
4: a case. Uh, it is somewhat unusual to have an appearance in street clothes for pretrial motions, but it in custody as Mrs. Valerie currently is. However, that's been uh. Process we've used throughout the case hasn't been brought before the court for any formal ruling on that. Generally, the issue of how someone is stressed uh, really, for me, I defer to law enforcement and whatever they believe is appropriate for security purposes in custody defendants uh, based on the motion filed by the defense and without an objection from the state. Uh, I don't see any reason to. From how we've already handled all the prior clearance in this case. So, in order to confirm that on the record, I will grant the order, Mr. Archibald, and future pretrial motions if the client so chooses. And it's permitted and allowed by uh, law enforcement authorities that are involved with her custody and transport that she can continue to appear in those street clothes if that's what she wants to do. Yes, thank you. All right, thank you, Mr. Archibald. Next motion we'll call up is the motion filed July 12th by the defense entitled motion to incorporate federal and state constitutional grounds to support the support of future motions. Uh, I don't believe there was any specific response to that filed by the state but I'll allow all. Oral response hearing Mr. Archibald, if you'd like to present our for that motion. The honor, this motion is based upon uh, the death penalty jurisprudence of the United States as uh, the court knows
3: uh, death penalty litigation is luminous and is ever-changing. Uh, in 1972,
4: the United States Supreme Court said that the death penalty was cruel and
2: threatening to
4: punishment. So states began to modify their death penalty Statutes to conform to the United States uh, Supreme Court's definition of what is not
3: cruel and unusual. So, <laughs> since 1972, since the Furman versus Georgia case, uh, there every five years or so,
4: in death penalty litigation, there's there's a change of rules. The United States Supreme Court since nineteen seventy two has said uh, no death penalty for those who are sane. no death penalty if a judge issues it it has to be a jury no death penalty for those who are me- mentally hard no death penalty unless there's a mitigation investigation of the defendant's life no death penalty. That the defense lawyer does not thoroughly really investigate the client's life and no death penalty for juveniles so in our motion we set forth several federal uh, decisions that have been rendered regarding the death penalty in the united states and uh, for purposes of future appeal we always come to prepare for the worst and in case she is convicted, and in case there is a death verdict, this case will be on appeal for decades. And so we are making the record clear that we want all of
3: our constitutional rights preserved. We want all of our, our
2: constitutional issues uh, litigated in the future. Me and Mr. Thomas will not do any future appeals. There'll be other lawyers. Uh, appointed to represent her
4: in case. Uh, there's a, a guilty verdict in case there's a death sentence. So this motion isn't just uh, what if, it's real. And in fact, the federal judge in Idaho just ordered a new uh,
2: sentencing hearing from Robin Rowe. who has been on death row. 30 years, and so this is an important issue. It has to do with this case because we know 30 years from now,
4: there's going to still be litigation ongoing. There is a death sentence.
3: So I won't be around 30 years from now. Uh, I don't know if Mr. Thomas will, but this case will be if the state uh, gets their request. So that's why my motion uh, was filed. That's why it's important to us for the court to acknowledge
2: all of her federal and state constitutional requirements. Are all right, thank you, Mr.
4: Archibald. Mr. Willis, the state's response on the motion to incorporate federal and state constitutional laws and future motions of the Thank you, Your Honor. Insofar as the motion is essentially a Request that the court recognize that uh, it has not waived any of her constitutional rights. We have no objection to that. Um, in regards to the practical application of it, uh, the state does not object to it as long as uh, the objections that are made are still made pursuant to the rules, that they state the purpose of the objection and cite to the uh,
2: specific authority that the defendant will be referring to. Sorry, thank you,
4: sir courts consider this motion as the motion was filed on july 12th to incorporate federal and state constitutional grounds for future motions of each motion, the objection uh, based on the ardington council review of the briefly decided case law uh, which is substantial in terms of
2: case law and motion, uh,
4: the court will rule as follows that a um, little of an order i'm not going to order that there's some Standing continuing objection, of, I'll make a express finding on the record that this particular tenant, Mrs. has not at this point in the case ever waived any constitutional rights that are provided for in the Iowa Constitution of the United States Constitution, that she continues to assert all of her constitutional rights in the case, and that will be in order that you could submit, Mr. Archibald response to your motion, uh, as Mr. Wood indicated, if there are any still specific objections to be made on constitutional grounds, I wouldn't consider that some sort of a standing order that would relieve the defense of the duty to bring those specific objections on the record. So this still be requirement if you think some specific constitutional right being infringed upon by either the state or the motion the court and those objections would need to be preserved on the record, but we'll acknowledge at this point that there's been no waiver of any constitutional right. Um, any questions on that, Your Any to clarify that? Be no, Your Honor. Thank you. All right. Thanks. That will bring us up to our third motion. This is the motion entitled the "Motion to Clarify Media Courtroom." A motion was filed on August 30, 2022, by the defense. Uh, the state filed a concurrence with the motion on September 12, 2022, uh, agreeing in large part with the argument brought forth by the defense. In response, then, uh, Attorney Steve Wright also filed an interested persons third party media response on September 8th. And the court recognized the standing of Mr. Wright on behalf of clients that were set forth in the caption of his pleading to be heard at this hearing today on the issue as well. Uh, in terms of taking up the order of that motion that was filed by Mr. Archwell on behalf of his clients, so I'll hear arguments for that motion first. I'll then allow the state to join in their concurrence and subsequent to that, Mr. Wright. If you'd like to present your arguments for your clients that are identified
2: that, yeah. so Mr. Archibald, if you'd like to proceed with arguments, time. Thank you. <laughs> this motion was filed due to what happened on our last hearing. Of course, um, there is no camera in front of our of our desk now, staring at us. So I appreciate that. Media's courtesy not putting another camera there. I uh, noticed that there are not any microphones attached and on this desk. where where the last hearing. So, yeah, I appreciate the media's courtesy not putting that. Yeah.
3: That
4: was the issue that was happened at our last hearing. All of us here, the prosecutors, the court, uh, me and Mr. Thomas, we all have the same obligation to uh, laurie valley and that's to make sure that our constitutional rights are protected including the right to a fair trial the court in its order governing court conduct has that as its first goal that we need to preserve
3: the clients the defendants right to a fair trial the court uh was concerned about free trial of the city last year taking up the
4: issue of the change
2: of venue so a year almost a year ago uh, this case was
4: transferred from fremont county to a county over 300 miles from here due to media exposure due to the incessant
2: non-stop media exposure it is necessary
4: we agree to inform the public of what's happening in the case. Uh, Fremont County, however, is going to spend more for a fair trial
3: because of the media's incessant nonstop exposure of this case. So as the media
4: exposure increases, so does Fremont County taxpayers, state of Iowa taxpayers, so does their obligation to make sure that my client gets a fair trial. So, if the media saturation continues in Ada County, where are we gonna go? Uh, well, I already
2: moved it 300 miles away, but the media exposure is hitting Ada County. Uh, so, I've been a lawyer over 30 years. I've never had a problem. But the media, uh, during any of my cases,
4: I've never had to bring a motion regarding media uh, about where they put their cameras or where they put their phones. I've tried almost 100 jury trials in our in our district. Um, I've been assigned at over 25 homicide cases. And the media has always been respectful. They know that I have a difficult job I know that they have a
2: difficult job, and we've been respectful of each other in uh, in our roles to the public. Um, Freedom of press is a constitutional right. Uh, It's in the Bill of Rights, and it's not infringed by limiting cameras.
4: And we know that because the United States Supreme Court doesn't allow cameras. Federal courts don't
2: allow cameras.
4: Some states don't allow cameras. And so the court wants the public to know what's happening, but yet the overriding interest is a fair
3: trial for the accused. My client, in the Bill of Rights, enjoys the presumption of innocence and not a presumption
2: of guilt state has to prove beyond a reasonable bound to a fair and impartial jury so because of the
4: pretrial publicity is that turning the tide will my client have to prove her innocence at a trial rather than the state having proved her guilty so because of the, the media saturation we filed this motion for the court to take a look at its order and and how the media is acting. Uh,
3: I've never had a problem with the media in the
4: jury box. I've never had a problem with the media on the front row. Again, they have been respectful of me and my clients, and I've been respectful of their job.
3: But at our last hearing, um, the court to
4: review that, but I tried to download it on a
3: flash drive. I wasn't able to But the, the link is mentioned in the state
4: IO's response. So I believe we all uh, counsel and I agree that the court can look at that as to what happened at, at our last hearing. There was one camera on the judge. There was one camera
2: on the courtroom. And there was one camera on board. Uh, our hearing wasn't quite an hour long. It was a little over 50, five, zero minutes. And 30 minutes of that judge was zoomed in on my client. What was the purpose
3: of zooming in on her for 30 minutes? Uh, she didn't
4: make an argument. All she did was whisper to her lawyers, what's the point of zooming in on her?
2: There is no point. It was an abuse of the privilege that the media is given. Why did the media
4: want to zoom in on her for 30 minutes when I think the, the lawyers and the judge talked for 50 minutes? Uh, the cameras were on the court for about 30 minutes. And that was, uh, I don't know of many judges who want the cameras on them, so that's probably all right. But why, uh, why wouldn't the cameras be on the attorney's for arguing rather than zooming in on my client? What was the purpose of that? Uh, she'd been in custody now for over two and a half years. 20 months of that in a jail, 10 months of that in a male hospital. What's the point to mock her, to make fun of her,
2: to humiliate her? Uh, does it have any value to the public other than the prejudice
3: potential of jurors against her? No, no value
4: at all. So, does it help the court? Fine affair and impartial jury and Boise when they zoom in on my client's every facial expression.
2: Uh, the, the public will eventually hear uh, my client's mental health diagnosis. Uh, I know what it is, the court knows what it is, the attorneys know what it is. The public will eventually know that. And that there's a time and place for everything, and that will eventually be disclosed. So banning the cameras is pretty drastic remedy in this district, and uh, it's not the first time that the request has been made by an attorney in a high-profile case. For example, uh, a few cases where cameras have been banned altogether. Case against Timothy of Bay, the bombing in
3: City. The case against Susan Smith for the murder of her children. The case against Richard Davis for the murder of Paul Clark Scott Peterson
2: for the murder of his wife, Lason. So there have been
3: incidents and in high profile cases where the courts
4: have said enough cameras, we can work the information to the public some other way other than through the camera. And so uh,
2: I know that's addressed friendly and that's why I
4: asked for an alternative in my motion. Uh, let's go back to the way we've done it here uh, or at least as long as I've been trying cases for 30 years. Cameras in the jury box are on the front row of the spectator section no humiliation no making
2: fun to be respectful of each other of our difficult jobs that we all have here. this case it's tough enough
4: without the sensationalization
2: <clears> that is the potential of the media and we certainly don't need any more drama in this case thank you all right thank
4: you mr archival uh, Mr. Wood, if you'd like to offer uh, the concurrence to this title. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, I think that we're here dealing with, uh, I guess, what we term a tangential issue. case. Uh, okay, so I do think it's important to uh, remember exactly why we're here. and We are here because Chad Larry, and Lori David are going really be guided for the numbers. Tyler Ryan and J.J. They have a trial set for that in January. And as Mr. Archwald stated, they are entitled to a fair trial. And as he stated, uh, even the prosecutors who have the job of seeking the conviction also have the job of seeking a fair trial um, for, for the defendants and for the state. And this court has recognized the state also has a fair trial. And what that means to the state is. We want to trial but we only have to do once when we're in little issues. Uh, that's important,
3: not only to uh,
4: prosecutors, uh, but for the people of this state, specifically the people of Madison and Fremont County, uh, for the, the living victims of this case, and to the state, people who deserve that the most are Tyler and J.G. So what the state is not going to you won't hear it say, or I think anyone here today, the media or public shouldn't have access to the courts. They should. It's an important right. Uh, the state believes in open proceedings. We strongly support and believe in the media's right to access and report court proceedings. Uh, and that has a longstanding history in case law. Uh, in regards to the last hearing, uh, I want to be clear the state is not alleging any malicious intent on the on part of any member of the media. At some level that is the relevant uh, to the consequences, um, the state does agree, the coverage did appear in, Avon, uh, in the uh, uneven distribution of uh, where the cameras were focused. We think that actually has a chilling effect on future witnesses both for the state and the defense to know that they will be subjected to such public uh, political scrutiny. Uh, Mr. Archibald mentioned the microphones on the council table. Uh, we think that has a chilling effect on council, so we're glad they're not here anymore. Uh, it's difficult to communicate with those microphones there, uh, and it makes it more difficult for the parties to effectively litigate if you have to worry about someone else listening in. I would just note those microphones are not needed. Uh, there have been multiple broadcasts uh, of court proceedings uh, where they just lifted the audio from the court, and, and that is always fun. As Mr. Archibald uh, talked about, venue has been changed to Ada County. If the change of venue here in the state presented evidence that Ada County is the largest media market in the state, we still believe that's the case. Uh, and to the state, this raises the question if we change venue largely because of pre travel publicity, then continue engaging in pre travel while going to the largest media market in the state, why do we change venue? Um, now we respect the course decision to change the venue, we understand it. Uh, sorry. I'm not asking that dismissively, but at some point, if the the rationale for changing the menu is pretrial publicity, we should limit pretrial publicity. Uh, The state is actually, at this point, even more so than the trial, concerned about the next few pretrials. What we do in the state intends to file a 404B motion. Uh, The defense has a bill of particulars motion. These are both going to be fact intensive Motions deal with a lot of uh, facts of the case, need, need to be litigated, and again, the media has a right to be there, they don't have a right to broadcast it or have cameras. And the state believes that the stark difference between watching a live or video of a proceeding as opposed to reading a report on it in, in a newspaper. Uh, one area I can disagree with Mr. Archibald, I do not believe the cameras is drastic. I, uh, the Idaho board the administrative rule 45 makes it clear it's a discretion of the court. Uh, when something is so easily discretion of the court, I don't think it's a drastic remedy to remove video cameras. There's some law on this issue I'd like to quickly address was not in the state's memorandum. And there's some right line rules here. I'm actually going to start with Richmond newspapers versus Virginia and that's 448 U.S. 555.
3: And that case actually stands for the right that the media
4: does have to access the courts, so I'm just bringing that case up because I want to uh, reiterate that we do believe the media has be here. Uh, Nixon versus Warner, 98, Supreme Court 1306. I'm just going to read a quote from the Supreme Court there. It says, while the guarantee of a public trial, in the words of Mr. Justice Black, is a safeguard against any attempt to avoid our courts, as instruments of persecution, it confers no special benefit on the press. Nor does the Sixth Amendment require that the trial or any part of it be broadcast live or on tape to the public. The requirement of a public trial is satisfied by the opportunity of members of the public and the press to attend the trial and to report what they have observed. And so what we think from that is there is no right, uh, and our our administrative rule back this up, there is no right to video. Camera or a camera in Portland, and the last case I want to address, Your Honor, is Estes versus Texas. That's three eight one U.S. five three two. Now, if you're going to talk about Estes, I have to acknowledge that there's been a lot of distinguishing on Estes. One is from 1965. What's interesting is that the Supreme Court in that case acknowledged that that would happen as technology changed. In that case, uh, they were about to start a trial when they had a two day pre trial hearing on the issue of in courtroom. Uh, and so, while this case can be distinguished in many ways, I think the central holding here is very applicable in this case. It says pre trial can create a major problem for the defendant in the criminal case. Indeed, it may be more harmful than publicity we'll during the trial, for it may be well set even to give the accused guilt or innocence. Those September hearings dealt with motions to prohibit television coverage and to postpone the trial, they are unquestionably relevant to the issue for us. All of this two day affair was highly publicized and could only have impressed those present and also the community at large with the the notorious character of the petitioner as well as the proceeding. I think that's directly on point with what we're doing here. uh, Pre trial publicity that um, makes a fair trial for both parties more difficult. Now, this is not the first time I've asked the cameras not be allowed in the courtroom related to this case, or at least to, to uh, this, the facts around this case, in, the, in the case, in order to prevent extra publicity, I asked the magistrate court to disallow video and broadcast at the preliminary hearing. At that time, both Mr. and Mrs. Bigel's attorneys argued that the hearing should be broadcast, I would note that Mr. Bigel in that case, at that time, and in that case, we were in a COVID lockdown, and the court made a policy decision to broadcast was the only way to have courtroom open to the public due to COVID restrictions. But well, we no longer have those restrictions. And so the state and defense are now both asking the court to limit video cameras of broadcasting. Uh, clearly both the state and the defense believe that continuing to videotape and broadcast these proceedings creates a large risk of undue prejudice prejudicing the party's rights to a fair trial.
2: In balancing the state's and defense request, and the media's objection to that request, the court does not need to do a balance of their rights analysis. The media has a right
4: to be in the courtroom, but there is no right to video, there is no right to a camera, there's no right to broadcast. Uh, the state and defense are asking the court to limit the risk of further pretrial issue, prejudicial publicity, without harming or infringing upon anyone's rights, and we know that the media doesn't like that request. Uh, we're aware that many of the people in this board and I represent probably don't like that request. We're aware that some of the victims in this case don't like what we're requesting. Um, and we respect that. Uh, but to us, the primary issue, right, the primary issue before the court is how do we get to a fair trial? Uh, Mr. Archibald did make a very good point of the cost of the trial publicity as opposed upon the, the counties of 3 Madison. Uh, in terms of moving the trial to a county, it, there's a lot of extra costs, and if we have to do it again, it's going to be
2: even more costs. um I would note, uh, pre, you know, there's, there's been a
4: lot of issues with trial publicity in the last year. I don't know the judge in the Kyle Rittenhouse case very publicly stated um, that he, he was being long hard again about our, um, cameras in the courtroom. I mean, he expressed that normally he supported that, but when he saw what was being done, he used the words, it's, it's really quite right. And so the question before the court is that we're asking the court to answer is is the pretrial publicity worth the risk of harming both sides' right to, to a fair trial recently submit that it is not? Is the pretrial publicity without a second trial? We propose that it is not. I would like to put the focus on the case where it needs to be on the victims, on the defendants, and on. Obtaining a fair trial. And so, uh, again, we join with the defense and ask that video to be removed from the court. All right, thank you for your arguments in support of the motion, Mr. Well, if we're at this time, uh, it's
2: allowed to commend you on behalf of the client's terms and statement to the decision of those case by yourself in record, of course. Thank Judge.
4: So, uh, thank you for allowing me to hear. My name is uh, Steve Wright. I represent uh, who I have identified as interested persons, primarily uh, or uh, members of the media, and they are specifically EastIdahoNews.com LLC. Court TV Media, LLC, The Associated Press, The McClatchy Company, uh, DBA, the Idaho Statesman, KSL.com, a subsidiary of Deseret Digital Media, KTVB TV, a division of King Broadcasting Company, uh, KUTV, KMYU, uh, CBS Broadcasting Inc. on behalf of CBS News, 48 Hours, Dateline, NBC News, Adams Publishing Group, EVA, The Post-Register, St. Broadcast Group, KBOI, KYUU, uh, Cable News Network, Inc., commonly known as CNN, KIFIAC ABC, Idaho Falls, M-I-F-I-C-E-S, Idle Falls, KXPI Fox Iron Falls, KPBI NBC Pocatello, uh, KIVI ABC Nampa, KNIN Fox Nampa, KXNN ABC Cordellane, KLEW CBS Lewiston, KXLY ABC Spokane, KMVT CBS Twin Falls, KBOI FM Boise, KIDO Boise, KBLI Idaho Falls, KID Idaho Falls, KBAR, KBAR, AM Jerome, KHTR Lewiston, KOZE Lewiston, KKKEGB FM KWIKAM, KSP KSPTAM, Sandpoint, American Broadcasting Companies, AI ABC News. All right, thank you for In no particular order, I might add. Okay. very well. Thank you, Judge. And I appreciate the court and recognize that it's the court's discretion to grant leave for me to present argument here and to respond. Uh, just as it is the court's discretion under ICAR 45 in responding to the motion of this agenda, which has been joined effectively by the state. Your Honor, the first uh, thought that I had as I listened to arguments is I recognize and respect that the job of the attorneys for both parties is difficult it hopefully goes without saying that the defendant has constitutional rights that must be recognized. I reject the argument, however, that those um, rights have been or will be compromised by following the orders of this court. And that is precisely what has happened. That is precisely what occurred on August 16th, the hearing specifically complained of, including the location of the cameras and the location of the microphones. Now, one party seems to uh, apply nefarious motives to the media. Um, The other seems to be more concerned about addressing pretrial publicity through this motion. We believe both are in error in in the way that they are trying to accomplish it for a couple of fundamental reasons. Number one, the actions of the media on August 16th were in complete compliance, pre-approved by court personnel with the orders of this court. Uh, It is regrettable that counsel feels misled that they did not notice the microphones but they were approved first and foremost and the same is true with the location of the cameras i would add your honor that multiple cameras in the courtroom were actually an important part of fulfilling what we understand to be the court's appropriate desire to balance and make no mistake it is important to balance um, without sacrificing constitutional rights in any capacity, um, it is important to balance these sometimes competing interests or, more accurately, competing desires. It is easy to say, as important as it is, that the defendant's constitutional rights are somehow jeopardized by broadcasting these proceedings. How? There is a significant difference, Your Honor, in telling this court that this courtroom should be open, but only to people who physically want to come and sit in the courtroom. Because if it's broadcast to other people, her rights are now jeopardized. The only only rationale, the only logic behind that is to suppress information and the there. I disagree with you, Mr. Rudd okay. I disagree with that assertion. Gentleman, I'd be happy to respond here. Okay, because public access is allowed. Yes. But sensationalism in the case is not necessarily within the bounds of what access is permitted under our criminal rules and under the constitutional right of the public to attend. And the argument made Idaho does not have a rule that requires the court have cameras it's discretionary with the court and this court makes that decision and if i decide we won't have cameras then people come in and watch like they have since these courts were started back before cameras even existed and televised uh proceedings were able to occur and at some point if there is so much saturation that it presents a presumption of guilt this is an
2: argument. I think that's entirely possible to happen in a case. And I'll just tell you, I'm quite concerned
4: about that happening here. You've named off 35 major media organizations, which tells me that there is a huge interest in putting all of the information out to as many people as possible. And we are trying to get this case to trial with a jury. And I'm just telling you my thoughts on this, I'm very concerned that this goes beyond access. This goes to creating a financial enterprise that revolves around this case. And that's not my primary objective. My objective is to ensure that there's a fair trial for these defendants. And so uh, you can continue with your argument, but I will tell you I, I disagree with that last comment. Well, and I appreciate that, Judge, because I I may have suggested inadvertently something that I was not attempting to do. I, I'm not in any way suggesting anything other than what ICAR 45 requires. I'm not here to argue that somehow this court has an obligation to allow this. The, the rules are clear. That's not what I was trying to express, and I apologize if that's what the court interpreted. What I was trying to say, Your Honor, is that the court has balanced these competing interests, and I'm also not trying to say that somehow constitutional rights take a back seat, but there are assumptions made here that are concerning to me and that I frankly think are inaccurate. The the issue of pretrial publicity, this court has addressed already and will continue to address. I understand that. But the reality is pretrial publicity is a result of what has what the state has charged and the circumstances on which they base that. Pretrial publicity is not going away. So what is being challenged here is the idea that by allowing or by banning cameras from the courtroom, that it it will somehow do away with pretrial publicity. My point, Your Honor, is I don't know how that can happen. And my the point that I was leading to was, Your Honor, which which is a more accurate uh, description to the public, which is indisputably interested. Let me ask you a question. Sure. And I have not reviewed the video, and I will do that, sure. and the party's kind referring to the video that's the link in a footnote in the state's response page of the last proceeding, but if this counsel argues that while arguments are being made by the attorneys, which is what's happening in the case, while that's going on, all the public is seeing is the face of the defendant, then how is that accurately portraying what's happening in the case and not just sensationalizing the case because you're ignoring what people are saying they can listen to it, but you're not putting the camera on who's talking. You're putting the camera on the defendant so as they've argued and I'll confirm whether or not that's the case, the public can engage every single reaction for all things are being said. How is that providing accurate information more than focusing on what's being said in the actual record case by the lawyers And Your Honor, my purpose is not, not to bootstrap myself into arguing specific camera shots at specific times. My point is, and is to concede, that this is within the control of the court. We we reject that there was a nefarious motive or even action here because we just complied with what we were approved to do. Now and I do I completely agree with you on that okay. right. I want to make clear I have found nothing indicating that any of the uh, have failed to comply at any time with what they were allowed to do. I guess what I'm looking at, at this point is the result of what the current order indicates they are allowed to do and whether that needs to be restricted. So. I do want to make very clear: your clients uh, have not at any time felt to comply with any order. Right, and I appreciate that, Judge, and that is important. But I, I'm also not trying to address what's been called unfettered access. We're, we're trying to play within the rules, and if and we believe we are playing within the rules. Now, within those rules, which include the discretion of the court. Please understand, I'm not trying to argue for the contract. Within the rules, if the court determines a different location, a different somehow with the process needs to be altered in some way, that of course is also within the court's discretion. I do take issue with the idea that because the media has followed the rules because there uh, was a viewing of concern and we all know that the, the defendant's reaction to the proceedings is of public interest Now, whether the court feels and that too much of that occurred or not again we just want to play within the rules so um, but, but what I'm hearing is not bad what I'm hearing is Despite the actions of the media as approved by the court um, being unsatisfactory, even concerning to the parties, cameras should be banned. Period. And the point that I was leading to, Your Honor, is because of the pretrial publicity, which is not going away, which is more appropriate? An actual showing of the proceedings themselves under. Whatever rules the court determines. And I will come back to that because there are some reasons for why multiple cameras are, are better and, and fulfill the, the the quorum of the court, that this court has every right to demand and inspect. But the um is it better to allow the proceedings to be shown in addressing pretrial publicity, or is it better to require someone to be physically in the courtroom so that they have to report on the proceedings. There was nothing about the the actions that day that interrupted the decorum of the court. And it was showing, perhaps in a way that the court will adjust, but it was showing what was going on there, including the defendant's reaction that's That's my focus are is is the what we believe is an inappropriately extreme response to actions that were permitted by the court as opposed to the court just continuing to do what it has done, and that is balance those interests that it recognizes and and, and continues to address that in the way that it deems appropriate. It, Does that make sense, John? It does. I I did not mean to suggest that this court had to do something different, but I do, I do not apologize for the importance that the role the media plays in this. And it is it is easy to throw out terms. I'm not suggesting whether it's done here or not, it's up to the court to determine sensationalizing or circus or whatever in a proceeding. That is just like this, except that it had uh, microphones and cameras in places that were approved before. Uh, so, uh, your honor, there are some technical reasons that I think it's also important that the court understand. Um, and again, I, I hope it's clear there was no intent to mislead. We just placed them where we were told we could. Now, as far as the microphones go. I'm advised that microphones at, at and as as, I believe the court knows, Court TV was the pool providing the pool coverage that day. They have perhaps abilities and capabilities that local media, such as East Idaho News, who has also provided pool coverage, does not have. Uh, The locations of microphones and cameras today is first and foremost approved by the court but also it is the resources of <coughs> the news side. Uh, court tv added additional resources and that includes specific and uh, precise microphones it is important to understand i guess first of all i will offer this judge court tv has the ability to provide mutable microphones however i also believe that argument is a little bit misleading because the, the argument is made that if somebody is arguing at the table, and there's a conversation next to them, that this system, the court system, could be muted to avoid catching them. But you can't do both at the same time. You can't make an argument over the microphone and mute and the microphone if there's a conversation there. That's why the level of effort was, is put in by the media to comply with the courts order, not to find ways around it. There was that day, a technical, at least one technical person, perhaps one audio, one visual, I'm not exactly sure, in real time monitoring so that if, if a whisper is heard, and frankly, and if they don't know where it's coming from, all the mics get shut down.
2: But if they,
4: but that person, let me ask you, sure, sure. right. Sure, we know officers of the court who have all of their responsibilities and duties of the court when attorneys are out here. We have clients who have the right to What is being suggested here is that a technical person who has some training, I don't know who they are, I don't know who they're employed by, I don't know who pays them. And the suggestion that we outsource the recording. Outside of our own court group system to a third party under the good faith that they won't leak anything out if they capture the wrong thing being said, like a privileged attorney client communication. I find that a very concerning proposition and something, quite frankly, I can't imagine I would continue to permit because the issue brought up by counsel about the ability to be able to have unrecorded private conversations during a hearing is fundamental to the defense of this case. And it's also fundamental to the state in order to present their case. And so no matter how highly trained or technical, these people are, they're not court employees. They're not court personnel. They're not subject to all the rules that a lawyer would be subject to. And if they go outside of the scope of that, this information gets leaked and blasted out to, as uh, Ms. Wong says in her affidavit, millions of people And the bell has been rung; it can't be unrung, and we could end up with a mistrial in this case or other consequences. And so, it's a huge concern to me. And I'm just telling you, I'm I'm not inclined at all to outsource the important responsibility of reporting to a third party with just an understanding that
2: they're trained and they'll do the right thing. Trust us.
4: And I appreciate the court sharing its perspective. I guess. I don't, I don't see it that way, and perhaps I'm missing something. Because when the court grants what it grants, as far as cameras and microphones, I realize two different issues, but related. In the courtroom, it is, it is not simply reliance on good faith. The I understand the point about if that happens. Uh, then gets out there, but there is a distinct party that is subject to the jurisdiction of this court to pay the consequences of such an action. It is not simply a reliance on good faith. They're submitting themselves without approval to the orders of this court and the ability uh, and the consequences for failure to comply. I know there is, there is a temptation, not necessarily by the court, but I know there is a temptation to assume the media is simply out to get whatever it needs. This is not, and of course I don't speak for all media. I speak for my clients and I, in particular, speak for those who have been granted or even will be granted pool coverage. These are professionals. I understand, I'm not trying to with the court's point about there's still third parties, but these are professionals who's, um, who are among the best at what they do in difficult situations like this. The arrangement that was granted, as Ms. Wong states in her declaration, is not unusual. That doesn't mean this court is in any way bound by it. But it's not like this court is just turning over and hope, uh, turning over control and hoping things go well. There are professional and and very directly judicial consequences if they don't follow the law and the orders of this court just as much as anyone else here. So I I, I do respectfully disagree that this is simply a matter of turning it over and and hoping things go well. Indeed, I would respectfully submit your honor, both with regard to cameras and with regard to the microphone, that. Uh, the these microphones are are more capable of siphoning out inappropriate information as the court knows and i, I stand but corrected who, who determines what the inappropriate information is do I get to make a determination on that does counsel get to weigh in on that or does someone that works for one of your clients or the set of headphones on Make that decision, and I have no idea what their training is or understanding of the rules of evidence or the rules of privilege that exist
2: amongst the attorneys and their clients.
4: Well, respectfully, Judge, I don't think it's that difficult. Any communication at the table is confidential, any notes on the table are confidential. They are That's also not true, right? Because clients can talk out loud to attorneys. And if they do it in a public setting and everyone hears it, and I've seen it before in criminal cases, sure, the defendant words something out to their lawyer, I hear it, the state hears it, right? They shouldn't have said it, they waived the privilege. Sure. So I would say there is a determination that needs to be made each time. And again, these are decisions that um, how am I to have faith and confidence that whoever's making that decision is making the correct legal decision. Well, and perhaps the court can help me understand. I'm a little confused by the example because if if the defense well, you out, said all communications are are confidential and privileged, and they're not necessarily that's not always the case. Well, that that's fine, but that that's not the point. If my clients treat those, I mean, if if something is blurted out and said, it's heard. It has nothing to do with whether the media had something to do with it or not. My point is that it's treated, those communications are treated as confidential, period, period. There isn't a determination to make, oh, maybe we can listen in on this one and not that one, period, they are, they are confidential. And so that's, that's the standard of your client implies. Is that a written policy they have somewhere? Or is that your representation after uh, talking okay, to our Thank you. Somewhere. Thank you, Judge. And it's a representation I'm happy to make after communicating with them and okay. would be happy to make or submit a declaration or affidavit to, to that effect. That um, we, I mean, as far as the cameras go, I want to make sure I'm tracking with the court's concerns because that's what I don't need to address. But as far as the communications go, other than a concern that something might be overheard, that we are affirmatively telling the court will not happen. And the, the training, and it's not just some training. I mean, it's better training than I could do. I mean, that, that, that's the purpose. The reason for being here is to ensure that we comply with the court's order. And communications at the table are treated, maybe that's the better way to say it, treated as confidential. If they blurt something out, that's beyond your online control. But they're treated as confidential. They are not recorded. What what the court hears when it reviews that um, um, the broadcast that submitted, I, I believe, by the state. Will it will hear what was recorded? It's the same thing. There's no editing. There's no filtering because all of the effort is placed here in the courtroom to ensure that compliance. Does that help the court? It does. And I do appreciate the way you answered and responses to my questions, Mr. Wright. I'm not trying to go out here. I just not have some very real concerns, and I do appreciate the way you Of course, because if the court has concerns, I want to address them. I, I I totally agree, I take no offense and certainly hope I haven't argued with the court at all. My is truly bent to, to respond to those concerns. But those concerns are based on what we think is, a, is an overbroad approach to shut down pretrial publicity and, and frankly to accuse the media of some wrongdoing that, that it simply didn't do. If the court, we have no objection to the court reviewing its eyes. It's open to the public. The court should, of course, be able to review that information.
2: That's the very purpose. And if the court sees, I have a concern. I have a concern or even that the camera is located where it was.
4: Again, the point is it's within the court's control. We just ask that the court continue to exercise the control that it has the arguments at least in part seem to assume this court isn't in total control and these things are just kind of happening or more importantly might happen and that's simply not true this court the the media will follow what this court directs of course
2: if i may just look at see if i have any other comments I'm not sure if I could address this
4: on more the technical aspect. Uh, with regard to multiple cameras, again, the goal is to avoid distraction. So, the reason for multiple cameras, whether it be two or three, we, we respectfully submit two or three, especially as they're used, it does not create a distraction. The reason for that is. Our goal is not to move them, And so if the camera is showing something and say a confidential communication occurs, I've addressed already how the microphone it, it is shut down. And again, what happens, what's recorded is what's broadcast. So it, the court would know if there's a problem there. But that allows us the ability to immediately go to another camera, take them off whatever it might be, confidential communication or whatever the court determines is inappropriate and so there is actually where possible and a need for multiple cameras because we don't i'm sure the court doesn't want to see distracting cameras panning or moving around and yet we need to be able to get off whatever it is that might turn out might be an inappropriate thing to show but i hope from a technical standpoint that provides the court some guidance as well, and recognizing the court's concern about third parties' involvement, I want to point out that if if the court's sound system is used, um, if anybody says anything it, into the microphone, it's picked up for better or worse. We actually have the ability to control and make sure that doesn't happen. It also, and I'm, I don't know about the quality here. I don't mean to impugn it at all, but the. Um, the quality of of the audio is important. FCC standards require a certain level of quality for closed captioning, things of that nature. And again, these things can all help facilitate what we believe is the court's correct balancing of these interests. When I say balance, please don't misunderstand that I'm trying to say somehow the defendant's rights need to be sacrificed what i'm saying is they can be balanced with sacrificing those rights and i don't I respectfully submit that going to the other extreme of uh, banning cameras from the courtroom um, whatever the court might do or was requested with regard to microphones actually interferes with that rather than helps ensure that the decorum the court demands it, it is in fact respected did i mention if uh at court TV has the ability to provide
2: mutable microphones if that's uh if that's something that the court uh, wants. I would suggest your honor, not that this I don't know what
4: relevance it has to the court, but we Respectfully disagree that there, that there was some unusual happenings that occurred for a high-profile matter. Even the camera placements and the microphones, as Ms. Long states in the declaration, who's been involved in many of these matters, was not unusual. And isn't somehow binding on the court. But I just want uh, I want to respond to this idea that what happened on August 16th was an atypical situation. It was a typical situation for atypical circumstances. If I may
3: not put it that way. Um, I guess,
2: in conclusion, Your Honor, I just—I I, I am concerned
4: when this motion is used as a means to attempt to curtail pretrial publicity when this, the United States Supreme Court has indicated that. There are other means to do so, and I know the court knows this because the court has has thoroughly considered those issues in the decisions that it's made. Um, the pretrial publicity won't stop the accuracy of what happens in here or how it's reported may or may be hindered. What about the volume of it? Uh, of, of the interest of the publicity? Again, I'm not in, sure. In other words, if you... Uh to read about hearing the newspaper versus watching it live on social media, what do you think is the volume of one versus the other? Well, I guess that's what concerns me, Your Honor, is when the purpose is to control the spigot in a way that says, well, we'll be able to tamp it down this way. Because if we do it this way, more people will watch. The level of interest, it, I mean it is not based on the media, it is based on the circumstances. And I, I respectfully submit to the court that when the court looks at trying to I'm at, the media did promote certain stories. I know this. I can have a routine standard hearing in this case and have I know it goes on tons of media outlets and it's, it's publicized everywhere and it's promoted and two weeks ago I had a change of plea hearing in Madison County where someone pleads guilty to a murder charge not one reporter or that I ever saw in the local news I occasionally got a story on it all. so sure certainly publicity and promotion of that publicity go hand in hand and the concern here, again, is we're not to trial yet. We've already had to transfer the venue because of the publicity and the promotion of that publicity. And what's wrong with considering that we need to try to control that so we can get a jury that hasn't already made up their mind and make, up, make us have a mistrial for not having enough jurors that have already been tainted by the pretrial publicity. Well, of course, and of course, the court is correct in its concerns, and I don't have any argument with that. My concern is in the way that the court's concern is addressed. Uh, Simply assuming that because there is publicity, even internationally, an eight-accounting jury can be found, I think, is, is a reach. Other than just the general premise that the more people hear about it, the more possible it is that there will be people that have prejudged the case. And that is, that's like taking a sledgehammer to an issue where a scalpel is appropriate. And so I recognize the concern. You're not quibble with it at all. My concern is with the manner in which it is dressed. And I do respectfully come back to the idea to say, well, if you want to know about this case, Firsthand, then you must physically come here. Otherwise, you'll rely on the reporting, which won't be as accurate by definition as the firsthand experience, which is within the control of the court. But I responded to the court's question? Thank you that. Okay. I appreciate again the court's time. Uh, we respectfully request that this motion be denied because the power always has been within this court and has been appropriately exercised and if if the court determines there's an adjustment on fine-tuning some of the things that it will permit we respect that our concern is what we think is a vast overreaction to appropriate conduct of the media that will hinder what we still feel is an important function that doesn't have to be sacrificed to ensure the defendant's uh, constitutional rights. Does the court have any other questions for no, you? I Mr. Wright. I appreciate your your arguments today and responding to the questions. Thank you, John. Uh, counsel, Mr. Archibald, Mr. Wood, the court engaged uh, in quite a few questions with Mr. Wright and uh, some of my expressed concerns here. Uh,
2: if you'd like, I would
4: offer you an opportunity to respond. Just briefly, Your Honor, the, the media's argument that we were in compliance with court orders is, is exactly the problem because the orders weren't specific enough as to what
3: they could do and not do. So we let them, we let them police themselves. And when we let the media police themselves, what did they do?
4: They put microphones on our tables,
2: put a camera right in front of us. It had not been done in any other
3: hearings, which
4: I have never seen. And so that's why our motion, motion clarify, so that the court can register. Uh, I suggested take a scalpel to this order and say no cameras zooming in on the defendant, uh, no microphones on the table, no live TV. The court does have the
3: discretion to modify these current court orders. These current court orders are forms. They're used in in, in routine cases. And, And again, I've never had to ask for a modification. We in the past have been respectful of each other and they just crossed the line last year. That's why
4: I brought the motion. All right, thank you, Mr. Archibald. Mr. Wood, uh, with the statewide right. law, just, just briefly, Your Honor. So, the state compliance isn't the issue, it's just the effects that travel. Listening, uh, at one point, Mr. Wright would say that. The harm was an assumption. Well, it's not an assumption the taxpayers in Madison, paying a lot more for this trial because of the trial publicity. That is not an assumption. Um, and so I do take issue with that. I I well, I won't comment on the issue with the microphones anymore. I think the court's comments show that it, it understands at least our concerns. Um, then the, I guess the only thing I would add is if the court State still believes that the best remedy is simply to remove video cameras from the courtroom. Um, if the court uh, decides to take a, a different approach, we would request that the state and the defense be put on notice as to the location of the cameras before any uh, hearing takes place.
2: All right, thank you for your comments, Mr. Roy. I just not have permission to be excused unless the court was going to rule from you. Uh, I don't intend to rule from the bench, Mr. Ratsley. So, you. Experience. Thank you. So I consider this issue
4: needs to be under advisement because it will result in a ruling, regardless of future effect on those proceedings take place and then the instruction on what we will or won't allow in terms of cameras and like third parties and for future proceedings. Uh, I'll be considering that open context pre-trial motions and the trial itself. Uh, I'll carefully consider these issues that have been raised and the court will show any decision. That concludes our hearings this morning and Mr. Archville, anything further the defense? no thank you. No, thank you. Okay. Thanks, everyone. We're
2: All right. well friends there we have it um, hmm, not necessarily looking
0: good for our team but um, we'll see what happens uh, lots, of, uh, lots of opinions um, the judge is making himself pretty clear Um, But we'll see going forward. um, We're going to end the live stream here, but I just want to say thank you all for being here and participating in the live. Or if you're listening after the fact, you as well. We appreciate uh, your support and we will continue to cover as much of this case as (laughs) we're going to be allowed to. You see? (laughs) So you know it. We are True Crime, the True Crime Squad. I almost said the old name, you guys. We are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here.